Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm your host, Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, but also my partner in life, Rachel Campos Duffy. Thank you, Sean. It's great to be back at the kitchen table. It is. And, you know, you and I talk a lot about policies that are implemented by politicians and the impact that it has on people. And do politicians make good decisions that help people or are they making bad decisions that are hurting people? And one of the common conversations that we have at the kitchen table is about this alarmism that's happening around global warming and the liberals' policies that are hurting so many Americans by driving up gas prices, it's become unaffordable at the pump, driving up food prices. A lot of problems are taking place in the country in regard to inflation. There's other issues like the border that's a crisis, crime is a crisis in America. And if you want to fix problems, Rachel, you actually got to recognize that a problem exists to want to fix it. And so Joe Biden, you don't hear him very often giving an impassioned speech talking about the crises that America faces. But today we finally got Joe Biden to show some passion and energy about the crises that we face, but it wasn't the crises that you and I talk about. Let's listen to Biden. I come here today with a message. As president, I have a responsibility to act with urgency and resolve when our nation faces clear and present danger. And that's what climate change is about. It is literally not figuratively a clear and present danger. The health of our citizens and our communities is literally at stake. The UN's leading international climate scientists call the latest climate report nothing less than, quote, code red for humanity. Let me say it again. Code red for humanity. Rachel, the the American family is having a code red right now. They can't buy food. They can't put gas in their car. Um, They can't walk down the streets of their communities without you know, the fear of being beat up or robbed or something even worse. In, in, in California cities, they can't walk down the street without stepping over feces or, or needles that were used for drug injection. And Joe Biden's talking about code red on climate. And this guy is absolutely out of touch with, with the pain and the politics of the American people. Well, I want to get back to the pain because, I mean, there's nothing more immediate than you know, having to decide between whether you're going to put gas in your car or buy groceries for your kids. As you know, we spend our summers up in Wisconsin and, you know, this is rural America. And boy, do people feel gas prices. I mean, they they have to use their cars to get places. Listen to these 
to these poll, these, uh, these, this is a survey done by CNBC. They said, it says 65% of, of, of the people who responded to this survey say they are cutting back on entertainment. Okay. You have a budget, you cut back on entertainment, but listen to this. 61% are driving less. That's probably what Joe Biden wants. 54 are reducing travel. But here's the part that really crushes me. 41% are spending less on groceries. Um, that means there's a lot of little kids out there in America today whose moms and dads can't buy the groceries that they would normally buy for their children because of what's happening to this economy. And I think the irony, Sean, is that it is precisely the climate change policies, the fact that we are not allowing our own country to produce to produce what we have in, in abundance, which is fossil fuels and energy. We're literally he's saying it's code red that the planet's going to, you know, uh, explode or whatever they say is going to happen. There'll be floods. And if, as AOC said, the world's going to be over in 12 years. But I think that was like four years ago. But the real <laughs> emergency is what's happening right now because of their policies. The, the, the rise of food prices, the, the, the people who are worried that maybe this winter they won't be able to warm their homes. No, that's right. And even when, when you have a heat that, uh, that that strikes the country in the summer, you have people in, in warmer areas, Arizona, Florida, that have a hard time turning down the air conditioning that's because it's really expensive. That's right. And, and and so this this speech that Joe Biden gave on the climate crisis, and he's going to take executive action. We're going to talk about that a little bit on on why Joe Biden is going to take executive action on climate, and it's not going to pass with the Congress. But I think it's an, an important to, to think through when when we look at the price of gas at the pump. Joe Biden wants to blame Vladimir Putin, the war in Ukraine, the COVID, the supply chain. He, there's a whole bunch of, of boogeymen that Joe Biden tries, tries to blame. But if you listen to the speech, you understand that Joe Biden is behind the policies that have attacked American energy, that have prohibited investment, given long-term clarity for oil and gas to make billions of dollars in investments that don't pay off for a decade plus. He's the one that's attacking America oil, American oil and gas, and therefore they're not making investments because they're going to lose on the investment because Joe Biden and liberals in, in Congress and in the media and in banking are, are, are going to go after them and they're going to lose money on the investment and, and, and they're not going to make them. And therefore, we don't produce as much energy in America as we could. And we have to look to foreign sources to actually people that don't like America, America very much to provide energy for us outsourcing our autonomy and our freedom to other people. It doesn't, I mean, just, it makes absolutely yeah. no sense to me. This trip to Saudi Arabia was embarrassing to see our own president going with hat in hand, begging these, you know, Saudi royalty to, you know, get, give us gas. They're going down to Venezuela, begging horrible dictators um, for gasoline. All of this is unnecessary. We have it here. These are, by the way, great family paying jobs. Let me let me bring it back because you know we we say it's from the kitchen table. You know when you have a lot of kids like we do. I mean one of the things that we have to get around to doing every year, and you have to do it, are dental appointments. I mean again back down to the issues that hit people. Um, a lot of people, most people don't have dental insurance. They pay out of pocket for their for their dental work. The Kaiser Family Foundation says that more than a third of Americans are skipping visits to the dentist because of rising costs. You know, one of the interesting things, Sean, too, being, um, you know, having a parent who's an immigrant from another country, uh, when you go to other countries or speak to people who grew up in other countries, one of the things they notice about America 
was how good everyone's teeth are compared to other countries. It's something that we kind of take for granted that most Americans, you know, can afford to take care of their teeth. And then when you don't, you have just terrible problems. You have a brother who's a dentist. He can tell you um, what that's like um, for, for people who never took care of their teeth. But it, just think about what, what, what is happening. Things that people could do just last year. They can't do things, the basic things, buying groceries, filling their car, repairing something in their home that, you know, if they don't, it's going to devalue their home, getting a dental visit for, for, for themselves or their children. Um, think about all the single moms. Think about all the adults on uh, fixed incomes, uh, the elderly on fixed incomes. And this is the emergency. I have to believe, Sean, that people are going to to listen to that speech that he gave, which, by the way, again, shows that he's just not in command of himself if the poor guy um, is not well and and clearly reading from a teleprompter and going off on or some weird tangents in the speech. But if you're going through this, if you're feeling this pain, you're angry. You're really angry. If you were somebody who was working on that pipeline that he shut down on day one of his administration and all those towns that suffered that were supporting that industry, You just got to be mad hearing him say that the red code, the code red for humanity, the clear and present danger to Americans right now is climate change and also um, Ukraine. So in the polling that I've looked at, Rachel, is like 38 percent of Americans. The number one issue is the economy. Thirty six is gas prices. And obviously the the gas prices and the economy go hand in glove. This a number two issue. Not the second issue, but at 2%, at like the 10th position is abortion at 2% of Americans think that's the number one issue. A 1% issue for Americans is climate change. So this is not even on the radar of, of so many American voters, which is why Joe Biden is doing this through executive order. Now, I've said multiple times on our podcast and on Fox that I think Joe Biden is going to run again for president. And I say that because when you have the power of the presidency, People don't give it up. They want to keep it. Even if even if you're having you know cognitive disabilities, you're having issues with your mobility, you're older, like Joe Biden is, all those things, he still wants to be president. But I think I'm changing my opinion here. I'm going to go back on what I said before. When you have a president who is willing to be so out of touch with where the American voter is, where the American family is, the pain that the people who elected you are feeling and you will do nothing to stop it, you'll actually make it worse by giving a speech like this and say, if you, you, you haven't had enough yet, we're going to even go harder on climate change. We want to drive prices up even further. So you do one of two things. You drive less or you buy an electric car. That's what we want from you. But what's, what's happening here is if this was an issue that America cared about, the Congress would pass it. You would have climate change legislation that was able to get through the House and the Senate and the president would sign. Those bills won't pass the Congress because they're not popular. Even Democrats, many Democrats can't vote for the radical policies that Joe Biden wants to implement because they're going to face re-election. The whole House will face re-election in November. A third of the Senate will face re-election in November. Joe Biden may never face re-election again. So by executive order, he can foster these horrible policies on the American people through an executive order. And just a side note to this. This is a problem in Congress. I I talked about it, you know, in my nine years serving, the Congress has to take its authority back from the executive. It's a co-equal branch of government and they haven't. And until they do, you're going to see, I don't care if you like the policy or don't like the policy, you don't want an executive making massive decisions that impact people's lives like this without really any voter input. 
Well, especially when you have people who are bad actors. I mean, I, I, number one for me is Pete Buttigieg. You know, there's a lot of conservatives. They, they don't like Kamala Harris. I have to say, I don't think anyone annoys me more than Pete Buttigieg. And I would say he annoys me more than AOC. He annoys me more than Kamala Harris. I just find him to be so grating and annoying. And here's an example um, we talk about the pain that they're willing to make people poor. They're doing this knowing that it's impoverishing Americans and, and impoverishing people at the very bottom. People who, you know, w- when groceries are high and gas is high, it hurts the poor more than it hurts the rich. Of course, that's true. Here's what he just said the other day, quote, the more pain we are all. This is Pete Buttigieg, by the way. The more pain we are all experiencing from the high price of gas, the more benefit there is for those who can access electric vehicles. And so then this he was talking to Representative Carlos Jimenez in Florida, and he says, so you're saying the more pain we have, the more benefit we're going to get. I think that's what I heard you say. And then Buttigieg says, of course, no, 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 that's that's what you heard me say. I know you want me to say it so bad. Honestly, sir, what you're saying is we could have no pain at all by EVs, making EVs cheaper for everyone. It would take four times as much. And then, you know, he just goes on. But essentially, he admitted it right there that they the pain is the point. They want it to be so painful that I don't know. They think somehow somebody's going to come up with sixty thousand dollars for a car or actually what they want is for you just to take public transportation. So people like him can get an electric vehicle. People like AOC can get an electric vehicle and you will be on a bus or a dangerous subway somewhere, or you will choose not to drive, which is what a lot of these polling is showing that people are just going, I I can't drive. I can't go there. I have a fishing boat. I'm not going to go fishing because I can't afford the gas to put in my fishing boat. Those are the choices they want you to make. But by the way, Sean, these are not the choices they make for themselves. The Uh. climate hypocrisy is off the charts. Just this week, you had uh, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. uh, Why someone doesn't tar and feather these two and send them back to England, I have no idea. But they're here and they're both commenting on American politics um, day and night. So he was he went to the U.N. because it was a celebration for about Nelson Mandela's legacy. Um, this is Harry. And Harry did this, Rachel. Harry. Yes, Harry did. And let me just play you what he had to say. Mind you, this was supposed to be about Nelson Mandela. But this virtue signaling annoying guy cannot stop talking about the climate change. So listen, listen to what he said. This has been a painful year in a painful decade. We're living through a pandemic that continues to ravage communities in every corner of the globe. Climate change wreaking havoc on our planet, with the most vulnerable suffering most of all. The few weaponizing lies and disinformation at the expense of the many. And from the horrific war in Ukraine to the rolling back of constitutional rights here in the United States, we are witnessing a global assault on democracy and freedom. So the, the assault, it, he's right. There is an assault on democracy and freedom. It's coming from globalists like him. And, you know, these these climate policies, um, these covid policies that are being imposed on Americans come from these globalist entities that actually fund Harry and Meghan Markle's uh, lifestyle. And, you know, he took a flipping plane, Sean. He took a private jet to a climate conference. That's how out of touch he is. We'll have more of this conversation after this. 
Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Well, I, I look at this and I'm like, okay, number one, I, I'm, I, I'm going off the top of my head in my memory, Rachel, but I think, didn't he, in a previous speech, talk about the First Amendment being bonkers? So the First yes. Amendment is yeah. actually an amendment to the Constitution, right? I think he was talking about guns. That's the Second Amendment, but I think he was talking about speech and our speech laws yeah, he's in, talking about in, speech in this laws. comment. But he's talked about guns, too, in the Second Amendment. Yeah. In this speech that you just played, he's talking about abortion, which is in the Constitution. It's nowhere in the Constitution. But the actual constitutional rights that we have, like religion and speech and guns, he's opposed to those, but has the audacity to say that our Constitution is under attack because of abortion. That's the first insanity of, of, of what he's saying. But the hypocrisy that you mentioned, Rachel, if Harry truly believed that there was a climate crisis, he would never fly in a private jet. And I'm, I'm not opposed to private jet travel. If you have the money and you yeah, can right. do it, good for you. I heard it's, I hear it's a great thing. Yeah. Um, if we get rich, Sean, can we do well, it? Maybe, maybe once or twice. But we're not. We can't. Afford, <laughs> we, can, we, we, can, we can. Average people can't afford that. But he can. If he wanted to save the environment, he would get on a commercial flight and fly like everybody else. Or get on um, a Zoom but, call. For somebody who thinks the planet is going to be over because of fossil fuels, why get on a plane at all? Just take a Zoom call. Um, but of course, he wants to fly in style. He also lives, Sean, in a massive mansion in Montecito, California. He has two little kids. He has two little kids. So what's the what's the environmental uh, footprint there? Uh, again, these people are massive. Pro- uh, John Kerry, same thing. Um, I, I don't know, you know, if you know now, Sean, there's a there's a Twitter site now that's tracking all the private flights of celebrities and people like Harry, but also people like, you know, the Kardashians and directors like Steven Spielberg, who not only take private jets to Europe or from L.A. to New York to, to you know, go to an award show. But now they're showing that they take them for like 10 minute flights so they can avoid LA traffic, which by the way, I lived in LA. I can understand the need. I mean, if I could do it, maybe I would do it too, but um, they're getting slammed on Twitter now. um, And people are, are, are saying a, that they're, you know, climate criminals, but also they're saying you're really out of touch. I think the latest was Kylie Jenner has an Instagram post. Um, Kylie Jenner, by the way, is one of the younger sisters of the Kardashian sister. She's a billionaire, by the way. She's a social media influencer. And with that influence, she started a makeup company that just went crazy in terms of sales. And she's, I think, one of the youngest billionaires. She's estimated to be a billionaire. Um, And so she 
posted a, a picture of herself hugging her her boyfriend, who's a rapper and who she has a, a child with. And there's two airplanes on either side of them. And they're kind of between these two planes. And then she captioned her Instagram post with your plane or mine. Now, she got really slammed for that. And initially, Sean, I have to say I was on Kylie's side. I was like, you know, she's a rich billionaire, you know, 25 year old. I don't know how old she is, 25 or something. It's her prerogative. And again, she's one of these ones that are taking these, you know, 12 or 15 minute flights to, to avoid traffic. But now I'm hearing that she, you know, they're, they're slamming her because they're saying, well, in your beauty products, you keep touting how eco-friendly your beauty products are, like you're some sort of eco-warrior. But here you are taking these flights. Um, again, Sean, it was Steven Spielberg. I think Mark Wahlberg was on there on the list. Drake, Kim Kardashian, and of course, we all know about Harry and, and Meghan and John Kerry and, and all the rest. What do you th- what do you make of all this? This private well, jet travel, you know, I guess climate shaming. And again, if if you're a climate alarmist, you probably shouldn't fly in a private jet, right? I'm not opposed to fly private jet travel, uh, but you shouldn't be flying in one if if you're trying to tell all all the rest of us to ride our bikes or to buy a moped or to buy an electric car. That's point number one. But this is this is what this the Great Reset, Rachel, is all about. This this philosophy and concept that we, the elites and the wealthy, will continue to lead and live our best lives. We are still mm-hmm. going to have. We're still going to eat steak dinners. We're still going to mm-hmm. fly in our private jets. We'll still have our twenty thousand square foot mansions with our heated pools mm-hmm. outdoors. We are going to live. We'll still drive our big suburbans or whatever gas guzzling fancy rock star car they have. They're going to do all of that. But to save the planet, all of you non-elites, non-extreme wealthy individuals, you're all going to have to live a different lifestyle, right? right. Whether you can't, you can't afford a home, you can't afford a car, you can barely afford groceries. Um, it's a poor lifestyle while they lead an extravagant life. And what, what frustrates me is when you look at the policies, and again, Democrats, these liberals say, I I care about the poor and the disenfranchised. I, I care about the minority communities. I want policies that are going to help them. The policies of, of the Green New Deal left, the Marxists, is punishing the very people they're saying they want to help. Um, and again, they, they, they don't abide by any of the rules they set up. And what's key here is that those communities, those blue collar workers, the minority communities in America are actually revolting. They're saying, you yes. know what? There's no, there's no more. I'm listen. I can't. I'm not part of this movement when I can't put food on my table, and that's why you see Joe Biden's approval rating, which you quote all the time, Rachel, with Hispanics at 24. percent He's losing African American voters. He's mainly- losing young people. I think. I think this climate thing was an attempt to reach out to young people because they're hemorrhaging young people as well. I'm so glad you brought up the Great Reset, um, and 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 this is the connection too with like Meghan and Harry and. Um, Meghan Markle and, and Prince Harry and, um, you know, what what the Biden administration, by the way, if you go to their website, they they literally call their they call it a clean energy revolution, environmental justice. This is all language that's used by all these globalists. Um, this is a global movement. And we need to look into what, um, you know, Klaus Schwab from the from the World Economic Forum. I, by the way, just ordered one a book he wrote because I want to I want to get a primary source on on him. This lifestyle that they, as you said, what how they want us to live versus how these elite planners live. We saw we're, we see we're seeing 
in Europe right now, you know, these farmers revolting. And I think there's been a lot of suppression of that, of that, those protests here in America. We're not hearing as much about it. And next week, Sean, you and I are going to have a guest on to talk about that. Um, But this is all part of changing the way we travel, the way we live, the kind of houses we have. They want multi-family living, but they will live in mansions. The other thing is the way we eat. So we're hearing about the Chinese buying large tracts of land in, in the United States and Bill Gates also. And I believe that it is because they don't want us because of their use climate change as and as their excuse. They don't want us to eat meat. Right. Because, you know, they say that cattle, um, you know, is not an efficient use of the land. And so they want to get us off of eating meat. And if you don't believe me that they believe that there should be just a little bit of cattle for the elites and the rest of us move to a plant-based diet, which is you, there's actually, you know, you can Google it yourself to hear Bill Gates talking about it already in England. Um, they're trying to introduce insect meals to school children. They're trying to already feed insects to children. Um, they're experimenting with this at, at UK schools, um, trying to see if they can get kids to to get off of meat. And and already you see across the U.S. they're having meatless like Mondays or something. They wouldn't do meatless Fridays because then that might be like Lent for Christians. So I think it's like meatless Monday or something. So they're already beginning to do this transformation. Again, you, you, you think it sounds so crazy, right? It sounds like this big evil plan, Sean, like something out of a James Bond movie. But it's happening and they're telling us to our face that this the pain we're feeling is a transformation that this is the transformation they want. And they, they package it, Rachel, they wrap it up in a way that says, and you're going to be better for it. You're going to save the planet in the process. You're going to be happier. And the truth is that's a lie. No, we're not going to be happier. No, we're not going to be richer. We are going to all be poor um, and change completely the way that we live. And I, 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 I think the American voter is smarter than that. I think they see what's happening. Because it was only, what, two and a half years ago, three years ago, pre-COVID, Donald Trump, the economy was raging. Everyone could get a job. Everyone was getting raises. There was competition for labor. All income brackets were going up, but especially you know, the, the lower income brackets were rising faster than the high income brackets. We were growing the middle class, all wonderful things. So it wasn't like we have to go deep into our memories of 20 years ago when it was great. It was great three years ago. People remember that. And that's why I, I, I'm, I'm bullish on this election, because no one can vote for or against Joe Biden, but they're going to hold Democrats to account for Joe Biden's policies in the next election, which is why I think in, in the first Tuesday in November, you're going to wake up and find out that senators and House members that are Democrats who you didn't know had challenging races are going to lose. There's going to be shock races that we see because voters are so angry about these policies. And again, even if, it, if I mean, the, 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 the crime is, a, is another part of this conversation, but again, you can't, you can't navigate your finances because Joe Biden has a, a wish to go to windmills and solar panels and befriend you know, ruthless Mideast dictators. Um, and you're gonna tell me that's good for me? The voter's gonna say no. And I think they're gonna change the Congress in November to, to, to get change in policy with Republicans. So I, I, you're, I have two questions for you, Sean. So I know that you're still very close to so many of your friends in Congress. So I want to hear what do you and I've always thought that 
one of the best gauges of what's happening in the country are members of the House, not the Senate, but members of the House who are on the ground campaigning. They're hearing from constituents all the time. Um, So I want to hear what your colleagues are saying. And then I believe you that there's going to be a big wave and that Democrats will not be able to separate themselves from Joe Biden and his policies and the squad and all of that. I I believe you. But I want to understand from you as well how that will impact our lives, because it could put a break to some my, my fears. It could put a break to some degree. But ultimately, you have to have the executive branch and the House and Senate to to really roll back. I, I'm, I'm just afraid that so you, these poll numbers great. are telling me they're willing to go all in and that it's all in the administrative state and that we're not going to be able to actually make a difference, even if we get our um, you know conservatives in Congress. I know it's a long question, but That's, it's a great it's, it's a great question. Both of them. So so what's going to happen is you're right. The Congress uh, will not be able to pass laws. Well, for, first, start um, with me what your friends are saying in Congress. I'm sorry, I should have separated it. First, tell me what your buddies are saying. Listen, so every I mean, everyone says that the top conversation that 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 comes up anywhere they go, everywhere they go is inflation and gas prices. That is the number one issue. Everybody's talking about it. Um, And they're because they're in a lot of pain right now. I'm not talking to to liberals in New York City who are all rich in the rich districts or out in, you know, Silicon Valley. They may be saying something different, but I I would tell you that 94 percent of all members of Congress are hearing about inflation because families are suffering. That's the first point. The second point is if Republicans take control, they'll do oversight on the administration, but they won't be able to pass pass laws that roll back the administrative state because Joe Biden will never sign the laws that Republicans pass. And Democrats won't join Republicans in the Senate where you have the filibuster rule, you need 60 votes, you'll need Democrats to join, and they won't. And therefore, you won't be able to pass new laws. But here's how it really changes, Rachel. When, when you have Democrats who look at the policies, in liberal, liberal Democrats, traditional liberal Democrats who look at it and start to go, you know what, this doesn't make sense. I'm, a, I'm all about climate. I'm all about making a transition, but you're doing it too quickly. We need fossil fuels. My party has lost their mind. Think of Bill Maher. Bill Maher is my perfect example. Bill Maher is a, is, a, is, a, is a liberal Democrat, but he's been someone who's like, these guys are crazy. What, have you, what, are, what are you doing in America with the Democrat Party? You're ruining the party by the policies that you're implementing. When you get more Bill Maher's to stand up and push back on the party, standing up for average American families, that's when they'll start to change. Um, and I think because they want to keep power, Democrats want to keep power. They want to win the presidency. They don't want to see Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump in the presidency in 2024. They're not going to get different results with the same policies. They're going to get more of this horrible economy unless they change. I think you're going to see other liberals, and again, not the not the Marxist AOC liberals, but the, the, the traditional like 1980s, 1990 liberal Democrats um, who still believe in free speech and still believe that we should help families out. They're the ones that are going to step up and start to voice objections to these policies. And the Democrat Party is going to have to listen to them. So my point with saying that is, it's not going to come from Republicans. It's going to come from Democrats who are going to call Democrats out and Democrats who are going to be afraid of losing power and then therefore change course, change policy. And that's the only way 
we're going to make a difference. Yeah, I gosh, I really hope that you're <laughs> I hope that this all works out. I'm so afraid that we're just so down this road, this that COVID and everything else that has accelerated in terms of our freedoms being lost, the normalization of that. Um, and so forth that, you know, I, I guess I used, you know, me, I, I used to always be such an optimist and lately I've been a little bit of a pessimist. So I, I am really encouraged um, to hear what you have to say about this, Sean, and especially what you're hearing from members of Congress who are who are on the ground. They can kind of put the brakes on things. But ultimately, right, Sean, we need we need someone in the presidency. We do. And we, and we need to we need to pass laws that reduce the administrative state, reduce the power that agencies have to to pass rules um, that have these sweeping impacts um, on our economy. Really important stuff. And, and Republicans, whoever runs for president needs to be thinking about that as a Republican, because if they win, they'll have a chance. Again, I don't want to get rid of all agencies. I don't want agencies to have no power. But they have way too much sweeping power, power that the Congress didn't even give them. Uh, these agencies have taken and we have to roll that back. We have to put them back in a box and and um, responsive to the Congress. And I, I think again, I that, think didn't Donald Trump try to do that? It wasn't possible. I mean, the, 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 I mean, I, I think that these agencies are running the, the country. I don't know how, I mean, maybe do you think a, a, a Republican president could actually, is it, does it take no. the president? Does it take the Congress? So, how do you control? Because so, Sean, you've seen it. So first off, the, the, the courts in the EPA ruling that came out last month said the EPA has overstepped the authority that was given to them by Congress. And the Congress didn't say you can make sweeping regulatory changes to energy without getting specific authority from Congress themselves or Congress has to do it themselves. But you can't read a footnote in you know, some legislative language and then draw all of your power to change all of energy in America. That's not the way this works. That was a Supreme Court's decision. So if you want to roll back the agencies, the Congress has to pass laws and a Republican president has to sign them. Again, not eradicating the agency, but rolling back the power of these agencies. And frankly, Rachel, if you're going to make these kind of changes that impact people's lives, it shouldn't be through the ex the executive branch. It shouldn't be in the deep state. It should actually be in the Congress, where people are accountable to the voters. They should make those the, the, the Congress should make those decisions. And if the American people love it, they'll reelect them. If they hate it, they'll kick them out of office and bring new people in that match their values and their perspective on what laws should be passed. That's the way our founders envisioned this. Yeah. But all these things are happening administratively. And that's why so many Americans feel like we don't have any power and control because the question becomes, does my vote really matter? I can elect Donald Trump in a Republican Congress, and I still can't get these agencies to abide by the new president. They they actively yeah, they ignored the deep, us. The, the yeah. deep staters will work against them constantly. And it's it's really hard to get anything done when a whole agency that you can't fire the people. They're protected by their union. So they have lifetime jobs. They never leave. And so they just thwart you the whole time. That's, That's not Dr. what the Fauci founders did. envisioned. That's he what did. Dr. Fauci did the whole time. And so, but, yeah. but again, this comes back to this idea that you want to do things as an elected representative that help people. And if you have what you think is a brilliant idea that doesn't work and actually ends up hurting people, you should change course. Joe Biden made a mistake. Democrats made a mistake with their green policies. And it's hurting people. They mm -hmm. should change course. 
but they're so hell bent on on their ideas. They don't care about the electorate. They don't care about the voters. They don't care about the family. They don't care about the future of the country. And so they're not going to change course. And we're the ones that suffer. And again, you can you can inflict a, a, a certain amount of pain on people. But when you inflict too much pain, which is what they've done right now, people are going to revolt. They're going to revolt. They're going to push back in every single way they can, but especially at the ballot box. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80 percent of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000 percent. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. Yeah, I do think I, I do think there is going to be a massive change and, and maybe it might cause a, a, a new, I don't think Joe Biden, I disagree with you, I do not think Joe Biden is going to be running um, for president and maybe if they get smacked enough in the midterms, maybe at least they'll put someone forward um, who's not um, as radical or as as beholden to the radicals as Joe Biden was. Um, I definitely think that, you know, I know we need to wrap wrap up here in a little bit, but the the idea of what is the purpose of politics? Is it about ideology or is it about people? And I think that there was a time when conservatives were very much like free markets, free markets. And, you know, they were, you know, no tariffs. And the, that was sort of like, the, especially on economic freedom issues, they were, I think, you know, even if it hurt people, even if it meant that, you know, that a, a town was going to lose its factory and and all those workers were going to be in, unemployed, um, we had a party and we had congressmen and 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 senators in power and presidents who were just like the the, the free market is is it. And even though they saw China um, hollowing out our, our cities and, and our little towns across America, um, they didn't care because they were beholden to that ideology. That is what was dr their driving force. And then you saw Donald Trump come in and go, well, that's BS, um, you know if China's going to, you know, have a, 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 you know, tariffs on our goods, we're going to put tariffs, uh, slap tariffs on theirs. And suddenly, you know, the old school, you know, establishment types in our party, you know, got upset, but the people started to realize that, you know, no, we're not going to do that. Or even when it came to wars, I mean, I think a lot of conservatives, myself and you included, Sean, we've started, you know, we, we've rethought um, and, and feel very much, betrayed by, you know, how we trusted our government when it came to, to to handling wars and foreign affairs. And we're a lot more savvy and a lot more questioning of what's going on. Um, I think in the Democrat Party, they are suffering from this. I think their ideology is their religion, you know, whether it's climate change, 
um, or, or, or whatever. It's like, they're going to, even if it makes people poor, even if it hurts families, even if it means there's kids that are going to go to, you know, bed tonight without eating. And even if there are families who now can't drive their car and their car is just sitting there in their driveway and they can't get, get to places because they can't afford to put in the gas, they don't care. No, they they don't care. And I think, um, it's a, it's a really good point. Um, their, their, their ideology is their religion. Um, and many of them will not change course, Rachel, you're right. And I just, it's, I'm, 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 I'm fearful because of what they're doing. But again, I have faith in the electorate. I have faith in the country and I have faith that we can, we can turn the corner, but one other one, and you and I have both noticed this and I know we, we, we have to go in a second, but the left has done a miraculous job of indoctrinating our young people to believe that climate change is an existential threat. It's real. We're going to die in 12 years. And listen, Republican kids believe in climate change. Yeah. They believe in policies. And I think it's important. Again, I do, do uh, you and I both want to take care. We're at the lake right now. I want a clean lake. Yeah. I want clean water. I want clean air. I want a beautiful, I want to pass off a beautiful America and beautiful environment to the next generation. I, I want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to pollute it, but I also want to have common sense about how we use it. Um, that doesn't mean that I, I have to be a climate alarmist. And I think it's important to talk to kids because they, they get inundated on social media and in school, they do. but talk to them about climate change. Talk to them about, about policies that impact your family. I think that really matters. And if you don't, everyone else is. And at least they might have a a fairer assessment of what's going on on these issues because these are the future leaders. These are the 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 future CEOs, the future politicians. Um, and if we don't engage our own kids, um, we're losing the battle on this front. Um, and they'll, they'll they're, they're all buying into the the lie that you have to be solar. And windmill based energy. By the way, China's not. By the way, you can believe that. China's not doing this. Of course not. India's not doing this. Of course not. Of course not. They're laughing at how we. I mean, by the way, you know me. I mean, one of the best things I thought Donald Trump did was get us out of that Paris accord. I thought it was, you know, I, I don't care about what's going on in Paris. I care about what's happening in Pittsburgh, right? And you can believe that humans are impacting the environment. It's it's entirely scientifically probably true. But is it to the point that we have to impoverish ourselves and not create fossil fuels when we don't even have something to transition to? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The chances that we can transition to something else that actually, you know, works aside from fossil fuel really depends on whether or not we're an economic leader. Do you feel like we're an economic leader right now, Sean? No, of course not. We're, 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 we are we're, in this, a slow we're spiraling down. This is we the are. decline of America. We were on the up and up. We had China on its heels. And, and by the way, China is part of selling on the outside all of this global, you know, climate change stuff. And then in their own <laughs> for themselves, they're gobbling up, you know, coal from other countries and and using coal and beating us economically uh, um, and and they're going to become you know the they are on the path to become the global leaders and we're sitting here you know talking about plastic straws and whether our kids can eat meat or not um and and, and i made this i always make this point when i was in congress it's like when you have cheaper energy 
you can produce goods more cheaply in your country, which mm -hmm. means you can be competitive all the while paying your workers more money, right? It's this, this feeds into the whole economy. Can we, can we manufacture? Can we produce here? Can we pay our people more? And the answer to that is yes, if you have cheap resources to, at your disposal to, to produce the goods. And one of the key sources is energy. And we had cheap energy and we, we're trading that in. And what this does is it causes more companies to make the decision, if they haven't already, to go somewhere else in the world. We don't have the same restrictions. You don't have the same climate policies and you can produce the same goods for much less, pay workers less, produce that good overseas and then send it back and sell it to us here in America. That is horrible policy all the way around, whichever way you look at it, whether it's for tax revenue to the federal coffers, whether it's you know good jobs for American workers and American families, all of this is bad to the benefit oftentimes and the of environment. It's like bad us. for the environment. What you just said, it shows it's bad for the environment. You're going to have more environmental degradation if these products are produced <laughs> in China or India where they don't care about environmental rules than they do than, than if you produce it here. Just like our our gas and oil is cleaner than what comes out of Venezuela. Or, or Saudi Arabia. I mean, it, it none of it makes sense, Sean. Um, the bottom line, I think, as we close this out is that we still have a democracy. We still have a, a, a representative government where come November, we can send the first shot across the bow about who's in charge, that this is a government that is represented by the people, that they work for us, that we are not their subjects, that we are not the subjects of some global, you know, globalist plot or plan, uh, that we are Americans, that we are nationalists, that we are are the the we, the voters are the people in charge. And I think you're right. Nothing could. I, I know everybody says this, right? You've said it many times. There's no. There's, this is the most important election ever. Th this midterm is is crucial, and, and then of course, 2024 is going to be. Um, I think America's last chance at at doing what I think a lot of Americans tried to do when they elected Donald Trump, which was to turn away from these globalist policies that are all about ideology. They're all about socialism and communism. And they're not about people. And it just breaks and, my heart when I saw those statistics, Sean, um, on 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 how American families are suffering. And I'm, you know, being here in rural Wisconsin, um, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it everywhere I go. And and I, I bet that speech that he gave, part of the clips that we played, are going to run in ads all across America. Amen. If you're a, if you're a president that doesn't see the pain of the people that elected you, you don't deserve to be in office. I don't think Joe Biden sees the pain. I don't think he's capable or cognitively capable of seeing the pain. And it's the progressive leftists that are, and I don't, we don't, we, we can speculate who they are, but are pushing these policies and they're using Joe Biden as a vessel to do it. And they, they, they're going to sell to him that he's going to be a transformative president. He'll go down in history as an amazing, you know, American president. He's going to go down as Jimmy Carter. Oh, worse. His out. ratings are worse than Jim, his poll numbers at this point, his presidency are worse than Jimmy Carter. In fact, no one has had lower poll numbers at this point um, than anyone since that polling has been created. So this is absolutely a disaster. And I think we'll end this, Sean, with what you said. If you believe that right now, today, in, in, in July of 2022, that the clear and present danger, that the code red for humanity is climate change, which ranks 1%, you don't deserve to be president.
you don't deserve to be the, the father, the president of this country at this moment, because you clearly are completely out of touch with what families um, and Americans are going through right now. And so as your friend Larry Cutlow says, help is on the way. The cavalry is coming. Um, the cavalry is coming. You believe right. that, Sean. You believe that with all your heart, right? Tell, tell our listen, tell our listeners that you really believe this. I'll tell you, listen, Kevin McCarthy will tell you that the Republicans are going to win anywhere from 20 to 25 seats. I'm telling you, it's going to be 40 plus seats in the Congress. Uh-huh. In the Senate, I'm not quite sure. I think Republicans pick up the Senate. If not in this November, which I, I give them a slight advantage, they will pick it up because the map improves the next third of the Senate that's up in 2024. And Republicans are probably going to win the Senate. I'm sorry, the, the, the presidency as well. So the cavalry is coming. And just and, and as we go, I think what's always a great tactic is if you are in a Democrat district, you have a Democrat House member, approach them very nicely, but ask them what they think about these policies mm. and talk to them about what the policies are doing to your and your family. And they're good people. They have good hearts. They have to hear from you. They have to be asked questions. Maybe record their answer on your cell phone. Yes. See what they say and then post it on social media. Everyone should be asked questions about the policies that attack American energy, that make our food more expensive, that make our gas prices go up. They should all be asked. Because I tell you what, when I was in Congress, if this was Republicans doing this, every single media reporter on the Hill, every media reporter at my in my home district, and every time I had a town hall, liberals would swarm me and ask me the same question about why I hate them and why I'm trying to make them poor. It would be nonstop. So be nice. Ask the question. Maybe get it on tape. Yeah, because the media is not going it. to. That's no, a great that's asking. a great point. If if these economic numbers that are so catastrophically hurting people were happening under a Republican Congress and a Republican president, the media would never stop hounding every single member of Congress and the president. That is not happening. And the only people that can hold those people accountable, these Democrats accountable, are the people. Is you. So, yes, go and ask, even if it's a Democrat member of Congress, even if it's a, um, you know, even if it's even if you're in a Republican district, but there's a Democrat running, everybody who's running under the Democrat Party should be held accountable, at least to answer for the policies of this administration. Do you agree or don't? Use your phone, record it, post it, send it to your local media. That's that's all we have left, because other than Fox News, um, there really is no other outlet out there. We're trying our best over at Fox, Sean. Um, but really, this is coming down to the people. So it's what um, we call democracy at the kitchen. That table, is Rachel. what we call democracy. <laughs> yes. Well, and listen, I, it, it's good conversation. It's troubling. It's frustrating. But, um, you know, what helped, as you mentioned, is on the way. If you like a podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Give us a favorable rating if you like us. Um, We would appreciate that. And until next time, um, we'll see you on the kitchen table. Bye, everybody. Listen to the all-new Brett Baer podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Baer favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.